Hey, Chubb. Hey! I'm back to being a robot this week. Oh, fuck. I thought I got rid of you. Well, I'm like Jason. I, I never truly die. Oh, no. I just come back in sequel after sequel, but I make less money each time. Anyway, <laughs> um, I was wondering if you had uh, seen anything about AMC theaters this past week <laughs> getting now, grilled on Twitter. I've seen a and, little uh, bit. From what yeah. I could gather, all right, mm-hmm. I saw their 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 original thing where uh, they posted up like, "Hey, we're reopening." They posted up their their guidelines. Yeah, I don't know ex- the exact date, but they are reopening soon next uh, month with the with the intention of showing uh, Christopher Nolan's new film Tenet, as well as the delayed uh, Disney Mulan remake. Um, weird to think. Like, did, did you know movies are coming out? That's weird, isn't it? But anyway, it's weird to think about. We haven't had one of those in a while. So I think it's it's important to put this into perspective because AMC got a lot of heat uh, for this statement that they made. Um, their CEO or wh- whoever <laughs> uh, basically said, um, we're reopening. Uh, we encourage you to wear masks, but we are not going to enforce you to wear masks. Because we don't want to get political, and, the f- and then and then rightfully, uh, Twitter grilled the statement under some coals, <laughs> and was like, "This uh, isn't political. This right. is health and safety." Um, but unfortunately, our president has tried to make it political because because he's a he's, moron. Uh, he's doing that whole like people are wearing masks to be a jerk to me kind of thing right now Dude, uh god I, f- I can't fucking stand the man he's done something like that three times <laughs> in the last week trying to make like something that's not about himself about himself um mm-hmm. like for for example today we were recording on juneteenth right uh yeah because if, if you guys if you guys don't know um that that's the date that uh word got to the south that slavery was abolished it's actually a whole a whole couple years after uh, Abraham Lincoln officially abolished it. That's because of fallouts from the Civil War. Yeah. But Trump was originally going to hold a rally today, right right on that holiday. And a lot of people were like, that's fucking stupid. And then yeah, he actually moved his like date. It. But of course, he can't do that without being a fucking baby. So right after he was like, he started gloating about how, like, he fucking brought attention to Juneteenth. Nobody really knew about it. Like, no, a lot of people know what the fuck Juneteenth is. Shut up. Uh, yeah, he sucks. He's, he continues to be an embarrassment in every way. Yeah. But anywho, um, so this is kind of interesting. AMC is getting a lot of heat because... They're not requiring people to wear masks, but then they changed their uh, their minds uh, just recently. I believe maybe even just a few hours ago at the time of recording this. Uh, the CEO said we, we hear you loud and clear, and now we will um, require everyone to wear masks in our theater and we will sell masks for a dollar uh, if people forgot them. And I think that's a good move, but I think it's important to note that. Only AMC theaters, which um, uh, we don't even really even have in our area, not really, not are not are really tried. are really getting the brunt of this criticism. When I think it's important to note that other uh, 
movie theater brands like Cinemark and Regal had the exact same statement, basically, without the foot in mouth of saying that the masks are political. Um, but they have the same exact policy. You do not have to wear a mask uh, at Regal or Cinemark. It is just recommended, just like AMC's initial policy was. I don't know if these other theaters will change in the wake of this, but I kind of doubt it. Well, because they're going to sneak away. They're, they're going to think a lot they got of people, away with it. Yeah, a lot of people are uh, being extremely flippant about the mask thing, and it's kind of depressing. Oh my god, I have to wear a cloth over my face for an hour, huh? Oh, oh I no. I can't shove popcorn in my mouth nonstop. I, why can't I? Why do I have to wear mask? I'm baby. Oh. <laughs> Shut the fuck I, up. I think it's important to note that maybe AMC got um, more heat than uh, they were expecting. I mean, at least I'm like assuming uh, they were in the news a couple months ago because they had uh, some sort of statement where they said they were going to ban universal films from their theaters and venues uh, because universal made the decision. Uh, I, I believe a smart decision to release some of their movies uh, on digital during yeah. the Corona uh, virus outbreak. And um, AMC, I guess viewed that as some kind of grand betrayal uh, that it was going to help shut them down for good or something. And um, I don't really see the correlation on that because nobody's going to the movie theaters anyway right now. They, they, Nobody they was wanted, two months ago either. Right. Uh, I, they wanted Universal to delay <laughs> those movies so they could show them in their theaters. That's well, what they wanted. I mean, I don't think there has been a significant, huge, big movie release that would have made great money for any of the theaters. Like yeah, the closest like, thing we had was the Scooby-Doo yeah, movie Scoob. that I don't think was going to be a big dollar item for any theater chain. Like, I don't, it's, it's Scooby-Doo. It would have made some money, but it's not going to make, you know, Marvel money or Mulan money or Tenet money. I understand why they would want those to come to theaters. And, and I, you even see movie companies reacting accordingly. They know that they stand to make more money with a movie premiering in a theater. And that's why a lot of these movies didn't just get uploaded. They got, you know, they got held back. Except for shit like Artemis Fowl. That shit's just fine. Just dump that shit. Get yeah, it out of here. Jesus. <laughs> that, that movie looks, um, uh, 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 I don't know much about the property itself, but I've heard that it doesn't adapt it very well, uh, extremely poorly. Might be one of the worst Disney movies ever made. Uh, and the clips I'm seeing from it seem to support that theory. Doesn't look good. Doesn't Looks look like good a real all. winner. <laughs> yeah, I love sure. to, I love to unhinge my jawbone and eat dirt. <laughs> love to do it. Damn, you hungry? <laughs> Sometimes you gotta eat some dirt, dude. Speaking of eating dirt, ready uh, to ready to consume dirt movie. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do the theme song.
everybody. Welcome to the Get Andrew Up Show. That's again. Hi, everybody. Hello. How's it going? That's him. He's loud. Sometimes he's loud. Sometimes he's not. Sometimes, you know, everything's fucked up because Discord. Yep. Who knows? Yeah, sometimes it's just randomly cut out because Discord's audio detection is strange sometimes. Roll the dice on what you're going to get. Yay! Just like that. That just happened. We were just talking about just happened. Yeah? <laughs> yeah, you cut out in the middle of your yay. I, I knew it was coming, too. <laughs> Son of a bitch. That's Discord. I listen back, and I sound like even more of an idiot than normal. Yeah, this is the world sounds, we're currently living in. If it sounds like I don't know how to pronounce words on this show, just blame it on Discord Hell yeah. cutting out uh, portions of my speech. Um, or, you know, it's definitely not me. I would never mispronounce a word. <laughs> Ever. No. I am a genius person. Oh, clearly. Okay. Very much so. <laughs> Anyway, speaking of genius persons, we're going to talk about um, uh, a movie called Friday the 13th Part 8 Jason Takes Manhattan, which um, it was a real winner. Um, and, and by winner, I mean loser. Um, <laughs> Friday the 13th Part 8, Jason goes to Manhattan, I guess, in the last half hour. Allegedly, Jason goes to Manhattan. Realistically, Jason gets on a boat. Yeah, for and stays there for a while. Two thirds of the movie. It's it's pretty much the most common complaint about this film is that it's called Jason Takes Manhattan, but very little Manhattan. And uh, we'll get into that in a bit. I have a prediction for where it's going to land on our on our rankings. Oh yeah, me too. Um, pretty good, one. pretty good one. <laughs> but uh, I'm sure we have some things to talk about before we get there. I have a comic to review as well. All right, Ken. Why don't you start? What am I doing here? What, what, um, what, I don't know. Game-wise, what have you played? I have not played a whole lot else that is new. I'm still working on Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 5, unfortunately. Um, not much else to say about that. It is a garbage fire, and it just, like, I, I'm on a second playthrough now because I have to, um, I, I believe for the plat, I need to get 250 stat points. And for one character, you can only get 125 max. And that requires you to do every single pro goal, of which some of them are so hard that they seem impossible. So I haven't really been doing all of those. I've settled on just doing a secondary playthrough as the Ninja Turtles, which that part's cool, but the rest of it's not. Um, just to grind out some stat points. And thankfully, I don't have to uh, have, a, have a bad time. In order to get stat points, you just have to complete a mission on pro difficulty get the pro uh, prerequisite, not the sick prerequisite. So it's, it's pretty simplistic and quick, but it, it makes it, it makes the game seem even more hollow and empty because I am beating missions and earning stat points uh, at the speed of light. <laughs> and the majority of my game time is actually waiting on loading screens. Uh, because uh, the amount of times I have to retry things are very minimal now. Uh, I, I will probably plat this this week, and I'm okay with that. Uh, I bought ukulele uh, because I guess I, I'm just a sucker for disappointment. <laughs> um, 
Now, as near and dear to my heart as Tony Hawk is, uh, I think equally near and dear to my heart is a game called Banjo-Kazooie. And I love Banjo-Kazooie, and I love Banjo-Tooie as well to a much lesser extent. And I never played Nuts and Bolts because I was kind of mad that it existed. And then eventually we got Ukulele, which is the spiritual successor of sorts uh, that Rareware... Uh, wasn't allowed to make by Microsoft, so people left Rareware and formed their own company to make ukulele. And um, I, I haven't heard a whole lot of positive things about this. I've unfortunately heard that it uh, it, it feels like an N sixty four game that like did that aged poorly <laughs> in some respects. Uh, they did not take advantage of new technology. Uh, except maybe in the case of graphics. It does look better uh, than an N64 game. Uh, but I'm going to form my own opinion. Um, I, do, I did play a little bit of this a couple years ago, and I wasn't too impressed with what I played, but I'll give it a go. I was also thinking of diving into The Last of Us 1. Uh, yeah, you should. Which I believe you can talk about a little more. You can talk about both of them. Because uh, Last of Us Two is out, and you're playing it. Yeah, so transition right into that shit. Yeah, I'm. Man, uh, I'm about now. I'm about five hours in to The Last of Us Part Two. Okay. Um, I I've been I spent a good chunk of the day today playing it. Um, and I really really like it so far. Cool. It's a. Uh, I'm glad I decided to replay. Spend the, the few days leading up to the game, starting I think on like last like Sunday or Saturday, replaying the first one, and I finished it like mere hours before part two dropped. Yeah, I watched you beat it. I, I mean, like literally just the last cutscene. Yeah. By the time I uh, I saw anything, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I'm glad I did that because it really put into perspective how much everything's changed. For this second one, um, it wouldn't have been, it wouldn't have had probably been as fresh in my mind at all. And like a lot of the little things that it references to also. Which, so I'm glad I did that. And I recommend anybody who's going to play part two, give yourself a quick refresher course on part one. It's not a long game. It's probably I think only about, like the campaign's like 11 hours long. It's, it's not very long. It's a game I've been meaning to play for a long time, and I think I'm going to. Like everybody's gonna be playing the second one, but I'm gonna be just now playing the first one. That's fine. But I think it'll. I think I really need to play the first one before I um, even consider looking at the second one. Which yeah, it's a game that I'm incredibly curious about because the response to it has been something. It's been interesting. And, uh, I think a lot of it's honestly. I think a lot of it's misguided. Well, of course, a lot of it's misguided, but um. It's weird. It, I, I'm getting real, real, uh, real Last Jedi vibes here, where we had something that uh, people are just kind of having these bad faith criticisms of before they even look at it. Yeah. And uh, they've already made up their minds that they hate it before even touching it. And I think that's just bad for everybody because it just paints this picture that um, the game. You know, you could just look at its Metacritic right now and see that it has an incredibly high critic score and an incredibly low user score. And 
the the yeah. narrative has been painted for both sides to yeah. complain about, and, and, and it's going to be uh, annoying. I was one of the incredibly lucky ones that I did not get the game spoiled for me because mm-hmm. major spoils circul major spoilers circulated a few months ago about the game, and uh, some, somehow I avoided all of that coming into this, which is nice. Because there's a, there's a there's there's a few big moments that happen in that game like right off the bat that I guarantee were in the spoilers and yeah I guarantee you as well and I I'm, now I'm, I'm someone who knew what they were and uh, obviously you're not done with the game so we're not going to talk uh, in length about spoilers or anything no, we'll wait until I finish the game but I do want to say that I'm happy to note that um it's become incredibly obvious now that the game is actually out that those initial leaks were at least fifty percent false. Yeah, um, because there there was actual gameplay and cutscenes that were shown, and obviously those still happen because that was literally just recorded, like the game. But then, uh, because this leak was accompanied with a bunch of other information, and because it was accompanied by visual evidence, uh, people assumed the rest of the leaks were true from this source. But it appears that. Um, this person either didn't know or made up some things. Uh, one of these I'm I'm going to talk about openly because I don't think it is a huge spoiler. But but one of them was um, that one of the major characters in the game is trans, and uh, that has led to a lot of bigoted criticism of this game from assholes. And uh actually she isn't. That's just that's just false. I I believe there is a trans character in the game, but it's not the character that people were referring to. Uh this character is just muscular. That's all it is. It's it's literally all it is. That I, I, could, I don't know and you can infer that like the, I don't know if the leaker was just making an assumption or trying to start shit. Uh maybe both. Uh, it was apparently a disgruntled Naughty Dog employee. Uh, uh well, I mean, for although I believe that was denied. That was, yeah, that was denied. Of course it would be. Of well, course it, it would be. If it was a disgruntled <laughs> Naughty Dog employee, they would, they would not tell false information. I'm pretty, like, that, that almost cements it for me that it was someone well, from the outside. They wouldn't unless, disseminate the false information unless they were just trying to true. stir shit up, which would be, like, weird. Unless they wanted to get a bunch of people mad at Naughty Dog, whether it was for a good reason or not because certainly a lot of people did get mad at Naughty Dog. Now I'm not going to give the leaker a bunch of credit that he had some galaxy brand of galaxy brain uh, supervillain plot here. Uh, you're probably right. It was probably from an outside source now yeah. that we know that half of it was fucking bullshit. Right. And, um, and that sucks because a lot of people decided that they were going to just write off this game entirely based off the leaks. Yeah, and if you're and one of those people, uh, that's stupid. Yeah, and you're missing out on a great game. Uh, right away, there's there's a lot, a lot has been uh, like just basically upgraded from the first game. Uh, a lot of like, not a lot has totally changed, like mechanics wise. Instead, they did the proper like good sequel thing, and they really just expanded on it on like the gameplay mechanics that made everything smoother, more responsive. <clears throat> It just plays better in every single way. Okay. What what you want to expect from a good sequel? Well, yeah. 
Um, there, there's a lot of stuff that's still the same, though. A lot of the, the crafting stuff is the exact same from the first one. Like, oh, you have... I, I, uh, I'm, I'm seeing some people criticize this as, like, oh, they didn't even, like, change anything. But, like, it is a sequel to The Last of Us. And the the thing to, is, like... Uh, have things that were in The Last of Us. I don't know what you're talking right, about. The, the things that they... And they kept all the things that I wanted them to keep. Like, I like the crafting system in The Last of Us. I think it's, like, really straightforward and intuitive and nice. It's easy. It's like, okay, well, I want to make a med kit. A med kit requires parchment or, like, paper or whatever and mm -hmm. and alcohol. Like, oh, here we go. Okay, you got some, like, some rags, some alcohol. I can make a med kit. And the menu is super straightforward. It tells you how much you have of each thing, and you hold down a button and you craft the thing. I don't. They, there's no reason to change that. It's already like really well done. Yeah. It it, it works just fine. The uh, there's a lot of really cool little details though that I that I love. Just just like in like the animation, mostly. Like you go down like uh, in the Last of Us, there's like these uh these crafting tables and stuff. Where you could you could sit down and you could like upgrade your guns and shit. And uh, nor in the first game, Joel just sets his backpack on the table and then you like, then you like like pick your upgrade and then you upgrade your gun. In part two, like Ellie like puts her puts her backpack down on the table. She pulls out your the gun you want to upgrade and she tears the fucker apart on the table. And then whatever upgrade you pick, you actually watch her put the upgrade on the gun. And then put the gun back together. It's super cool looking. Oh, cool. It's like a little detail, but I love it. It, it adds a lot of breath to the game. I don't know. I, I think it's really sweet. All the movement feels a lot more natural. Um, a lot of cool context-sensitive things that like aren't normally in a lot of video games, but they were able to take advantage of because this is like a straightforward single-player game. Like the way like you know, Ellie interacts with the environment. Like if you like... The way you, like, hit certain things, or if you, like, fall from a certain height onto something, she'll grab onto it. There's platforming segments in this game, which, uh, don't exist in the first game. At all. And, uh, I welcome those. A lot, because okay. this is Naughty Dog. These are the people that made Uncharted. True. And, like, I, I missed, that's something that I missed from the first game, but I, I, I guess I, like, it didn't make as much sense for them to do that, because you were playing as Joel in that game. And he's like, you know, right. a middle-aged man. He's not going to be doing as much running and jumping around. But Ellie, you're like a, you're like 19 or whatever. So like you're, you're fucking, you're, she's nimble as fuck. So you're, you're jumping around, you're, you know, platforming around stuff, climbing up things. Which that as a whole kind of changes the way you approach the game too. Uh, because Ellie's faster, she's quieter. It, uh, the game definitely leans heavier into the stealth. Than it did the first one. It gives you a lot more tools to use where not as many encounters you have are going to break down into combat like they did in the first one. You have a, a lot more at your disposal to be able to sneak either around enemies or just kill everybody in a room. They left, and also this is the great thing about this game, unlike the first one, is in most combat scenarios, you could just sneak out. You don't even have to, like, hurt anybody for the most part. You just. Huh. You just sneak past everybody and leave. 
There's also uh, an encounter I just did I thought was really cool. Is uh, yeah, I'm down. In, I was down at a subway station, and these soldiers looking for you. And there's also infected, like kind of off in the distance from the place. And so instead of like just trying to sneak around and kill anybody, I took a bottle and I threw it near them. That the, the, the infected in the last of us are really sensitive to sound. So I took a bottle and I threw it at the feet of the soldiers. And, and this wave of infected came from all sides and started ambushing them. Oh, shit. That's cool. And so kept them distracted. And instead of, like, sticking around and fighting anybody or anything, I just snuck out. Amidst the chaos. Nice. You know what? It's a weird source of inspiration. But, uh... Fucking... That's a mechanic from Days Gone. Yeah. Which is a game that came out and then everybody forgot it existed. Um... But it is a PlayStation exclusive. <laughs> I wonder if there was some simultaneous uh, comparisons of things there. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. You know, they They're both post-apocalyptic same... games, yeah. Right, they, they, they exist in like a similar realm they could pull from each other from. They're, they yeah. both exist in Sony Studios. It makes sense. Yeah, and yeah, it's really intuitive. Everything works really well. Everything works as it's intended. Mm. I haven't run into any major glitches. The game is fucking gorgeous. It's definitely the most beautiful PlayStation game I've ever seen, and it runs great I on my regular PS4. Don't have an opinion on it yet, but I will say it looks fucking amazing from what I've seen. Like, holy shit! The detail is really good. The detail is ridiculous, and uh, a lot of the facial stuff's great too. Like, you can see, like if you go and stealth kill something, you could turn. Like, use a third person game, so you could turn the camera around. And you could see like Ellie struggle as she's like bringing somebody down and like slitting their throat and shit. Mm. And it all looks like really gritty and like high detail. It's fucking nice. The game's beautiful. So without to look at. Uh, without getting into any details yet, what's your take on how the story is being presented? So far, I like it. I'm interested to see where it goes. I'm definitely in the very early stages of the game. Yeah, but I've uh, I've essentially. Uh, from what I know about the game, I've essentially discovered the two major factions that you're dealing with. Okay. Within the game, um, this isn't a big spoiler or anything. You have uh, you have the Washington Liberation Front, or people call them the Wolves, and then uh, I forget exactly what they're called because I just heard about them. But they're this like religious sect of like extremist people that like are going around slaughtering like quote unquote sinners and hanging them. Oh, okay. And they're uh, and and they're a little more uh, they're less militarized. Uh, they they mainly use like bows and stuff, and they're very interesting to deal with. But I I I think it's interesting so far. I am wondering how heavy it's going to lean into like this revenge story. And how they kind of go about it. I hope I don't spend just the whole game revenging on people. And there's like brevity, and there's like you know, like other things going on. I mean, if that's like the yeah. main, if that's the main through of the story, I'm fine with that. But like right, like as of like right now, I mean, I'm only in like the first major part of the game. I'm only a few hours in. I know this is like a, a decently long game, so I'm probably like less than a quarter of the way through. And uh, I know that there's a lot more uh, as far as, like, 
you know, like major branching paths going on. So I hope I hit some of that. It'll probably make me give me a better opinion of the story. The major beats, at least so far, have been really interesting. Great, heart wrenching. Um, it's acted so fucking well. My lord, is it acted well? Everybody's performances are really believable, really well done. I mean, I'm sure the the great graphical prowess enhances that as well. But yeah. Well, course, I'm curious. Uh, I'm curious to see. Um, I've seen uh, a lot of takes on it, and I'm kind of just waiting until I've at least seen a playthrough. I don't know. It'll probably be a while before I get to playing it, but I may watch a playthrough of it because I already know everything that happens in The Last of Us One, and I've also been spoiled on this one. So it's like this is mainly a story game in my eyes. Yeah, uh, I mean, there is gameplay that I'm interested in, but it seems like a lot of the time that seems to take a backseat, particularly in the opening of the game. Oh, yeah, very um, much so. The majority of the opening of the game is cutscenes. Yeah, it definitely seems like it. Or some walk and talking kind of Yeah, that, that shit. That happens a lot in the first game, too. You spend a lot of time walking and talking. That's how you learn a lot about your characters. Yeah. And they, uh... A lot of leaning heavily into the Ellie is gay thing. I wonder if that's why. I wonder if that's why a lot of people are mad. Did they not play Left Behind or something? I, I don't know. I don't know. I really wish that um, when a game or a movie comes out, that you know, like I wish there could be some nuance criticizing it because, like, here's the thing. I'm gonna can compare this to Last Jedi a bit. Uh. Like, let's say I play Last of Us 2 and I have some criticisms. Like, I think the ending is kind of like doesn't work. And uh, I think certain things don't work. Um, what if I dislike it to the point where I'm like bored with it? Uh, what if I, uh, you know, just don't like it for like a normal sane reason? Um, I wouldn't want to say that I hated it. Because then I am lumped in with the massive amount of people who say they hate it that are terrible, awful people. And that kind of sucks. I don't want to be just another uh, part of that big red number <laughs> that are full of bigots. And I hate that that's like the battlegrounds that are being drawn behind this. It's, it's kind of a similar thing happens with stuff like, I don't know, like The Last Jedi, maybe Captain Marvel, uh, to a much lesser extent that uh, the, the Ghostbusters reboot, uh, where it's just like so many of the reviews are just completely in bad faith and people just shitting on the, the sheer concept of a woman or a gay person existing uh, that anyone who actually has a real opinion on why it's bad kind of just gets added to the noise and it makes it a very frustrating, <laughs> less nuanced uh, set of reviews. And I kind of hate that shit. I agree. Like, I think people, I, I, I don't know, from where I am so far, I can't really tell. I'm sure by the time I'll finish, I'll probably understand some people's criticisms about the game. I think you just need to look at you just need to look at things very in, on an individual basis. Like I'm not even like I wasn't even the biggest fan of the Last Jedi myself when that came out. 
and it wasn't for any I'm of the reasons not, that yeah it wasn't for I'm, any I'm of the reasons that idiots were on it. yeah but I, the reasons i'm half and half on the last jedi aren't because i'm a bigot right or a racist or a sexist right um i like finn a lot i feel like he deserved a better character arc than what he got in that movie and part nine i agree um John Boyega deserved better for sure. Um, I like Ray, and I liked the Ray Kylo Luke story in part eight. I feel like Finn and Rose kind of got stuck with this bad side plot, not to just bring up the last Jedi. <laughs> like, oh, hooray. No one's talked about this before. But there are criticisms to have that aren't completely baseless and just saying that SJWs ruined Star Wars. Or SJWs ruined The Last of Us as if it was never socially conscious or right. like, anything. <laughs> there's a there's a fucking there's a there's a gay side character in The Last of Us in like the first like three hours of the game. Like what do you I want? I don't know. I don't what know do what people were want? expecting. If The Last of Us Two came out just like a couple years after the first one, this would be a completely different discussion that we'd be having. I think so. I think it's just so many hateful people now rear their head in our current political climate and kind of just love to wave their uh, hateful dicks around on the Internet. And it is a depressing state of affairs. Yeah. And I I kind of just wish that people could say they like or dislike something without, um, you know, being assigned these uh, hero or villain roles <laughs> that seem to be associated with stuff like this. Uh, there's there's people like decrying critics saying that people were paid off to review the game good, and I'm like, that's beyond stupid. <sighs> yeah, that's really dumb. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how the game goes for me. I'm enjoying it quite a bit. Um, I like the. I also like that the game's a lot more open compared to the first one. Also, oh, the last okay. thing I'm going to talk about here before you move on. Um, they, yeah. they took a big cue. This is oh, uh, they explored around this kind of territory a lot in uh, Lost Legacy, Uncharted, which uh, came mm. out a few years ago. Where you have uh, you you have like your direct plot that you can go and do, and then there's also a lot of stuff on the side you could go explore in like in a bigger, op- more open area. And and then the first major gameplay beat of The Last of Us Part Two, it throws you into this big open area in Seattle, where you can just go around and discover things and like find resources, like get into these mini plot lines. This isn't a big spoiler; it's like a side thing. But one of my favorite things I've seen so far is you find a bank, like a, like an old broken down bank. Yeah. And you go in there, and there's there's a bunch of infected around, and you you know get rid of them. And then there's a vault. You open up the bank vault, and there's a dead body in there. And then you discover that like you you unravel this kind of like small plot where it's like, wow, these uh this this group of bank robbers thought it'd be a great idea to try rob this bank. The day the pandemic started. Ah, oh, I see. And then in, instead, they got fucked by infected. It was really cool. Like you get all these files, like reading about like their their preparation for it, going like, ah, oh, it's the best time to do it. One of the guys gets bit, and then they lock him in the vault. 
and he has like a whole thing talking about that, how pissed off he is about it. It was really neat. <laughs> a lot of stuff like that littered around the map, and you could go and explore, and like that's really welcome compared to like the very much like linear process that the first game has. That's cool. Uh. There, there is a there's so there's collectibles, right? There's yeah. like trading cards or something. Yeah. Yeah. One of those made me uncomfortable because it was a character named Doctor Uckman. I don't know if you I saw, saw this that. one. I, I got. I just got that card actually. Um. I, it has so, so obviously that's a reference to Neil Druckmann, the director yeah. of the game. Right. And uh, there's some unfortunate wording on there that uh, seems to maybe unintentionally reference the fact that uh, he was crunching everybody, or at least Naughty Dog as a whole was crunching their employees to ridiculous amounts. Oh, I didn't notice uh, that. I didn't read the card yet. I, I wait until like, it, a good amount of downtime it's, to read it's, anything. It's, it's something along the lines of he pushes humans past their limits or something, and, and it's and it's uncomfortable. And they probably should have just took it out of the game before it came out. Yeah, that sounds uh, really unintentional. Uh, I mean, I hope it was. That sounds more like the bear. I really hope he's not proud of the fact that he crunched people. No, I, That's I, fucking terrible. I highly doubt that. <laughs> Either way, it's a terrible look, and I hate it. Um, I think I can find it for you. I just you read it myself. A in, second here. I can just read it myself in the game when I go back to it, but. <laughs> I found it. Because I knew somebody posted it on Twitter. Um, yeah, so he gave himself 100 brains. <laughs> maximum brains by the way and, and uh he might not have done this himself by the way you don't know that's true but he surely had to have the final okay um let's see once a well-respected researcher dr uckman's questionable experiments in the realm of pushing human limits saw him ostracized from the scientific community even the morally compromised laurent Focult of Spark Laboratories found his work dubious. Undeterred, Uckman continued his work in secret, creating super AI to do his bidding and protect his research, while he and the new dogs stage high-tech heists to fund it all. Constantly moving his lab location so no one can find him, he longs for the day where his subjects will be treated as equals. Okay. Oh, it's it's weird, just a little like, weird. That's <laughs> weird, but like I don't know. It's not like I'm just hoping that pushing human limits thing. That sounds like a totally intended. different. Yeah, that sounds like a totally different context than like what people are thinking. I mean, like it's obviously I'm not like you know endorsing crunch, <laughs> but uh, no, I'm just saying like. They tried to have a cute thing in their game. Right, and it just, like, it probably just, it just it seems like it's just reading out wrong. I, I feel like they should have looked at it again, given the context of what has been coming out about mm. Naughty Dog recently. Yeah. But, be that as it may. So anyway, I, I'm curious to see the rest of how Last of Us 2 shapes up, and uh, yeah. the, the roundup of, uh, reviews and opinions um but only the ones that are sane <laughs> and not the ones that are like what 
gays. I don't think so. Not in my video games. I'm going back to COD. Ugh. <laughs> I'm gonna throw up. Did you play anything else this week or anything? Oh, uh, not really. That that that's about it. Because like, you were played... playing Last of Us One, right? Yeah. I was playing the first game leading up into the second one, which is still like a fucking great game, by the way. Fucking great. Love mm-hmm. that game. It's so good. And uh, do you like this 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 one? Hopefully, at least is gonna be at the same standard. I mean, if it, if as long as it's like just as good as the first one, I'm good. You know, we'll, we'll see if it's any better. I think it might be missing some of the themes that I loved from the first one, but we'll see. Okay. Well, I would like to talk about a comic before we get to the movie. It Go is related it. to Friday the Thirteenth, of course, because I'm talking about a comic called Friday the Thirteenth: How I Spent My Summer Vacation. This oh, was God. a two-issue miniseries. From, uh, I was hoping the year would be listed on this comic page. Um, I, I think it's the late 2000s. Um, either way, this is written by Jason Aaron and drawn by Adam Archer. Now, Jason Aaron is actually a comic writer who I have uh, read stuff from before, which is pretty atypical for looking at these ancient not great Friday the 13th comics that I've chosen to look at. Now, Jason Aaron's actually a writer who I respect for the most part uh, and enjoy his work for the most part. Uh, he, he's written some great Ghost Rider and Punisher and Thor that I've really enjoyed. And uh, he's mainly the reason why I decided to take a look at this one. And, uh, you know, it's actually pretty good. It, it's really funny. It's uh, a a unique little Friday the 13th story. It's short. It's a quick read. I actually highly recommend it. Uh, If you don't want to know everything that happens in it, I I guess you can skip ahead 15 minutes or so. But um, I am going to get into it. It's nothing. There's not like major plot revelations or anything. I'm just saying like, more than the other comics I've talked about so far, for sure more than uh, Bloodbath that I reviewed last week. Uh, I actually recommend checking this one out if you could find it. It's really good. So, um, the story of this one, the main character is a young boy who has a facial deformity. Um, it's some kind of disease that uh, has, uh, you know, Big, like, you know, he has a warped head with, uh, you know, his his skull structure is not quite right. I believe he even alludes to the fact, because he narrates some of this comic, that he may die before he reaches the age of 18. Uh, he's a little kid in this. He's like 11 or so. Okay. Um, and he is uh, pawned off at a summer camp in, uh, wouldn't you know it, Crystal Lake. <laughs> um... Or maybe, no, I think he's actually supposed to be more like a teenager. Um, he is made fun of by the kids. They uh, they tell a story about Jason Voorhees and his deformed head and uh, say that he looks just like this kid. And they all point and laugh at him and bully him and decide to uh, throw him in the river as a prank to sacrifice him to Jason. Uh, they're real rotten, evil motherfuckers, these kids. Um, and the counselors that are supposed to be watching them are, uh, as you may expect, 
not doing their job, but fucking instead. And then, hey, it's Jason. Jason's here, everybody. <laughs> and Jason kills the counselors and starts killing these kids, too. Um, uh, I mean, I think we were supposed to be, I mean, they're, they're all portrayed as mean bullies, but these are like, I want to say like 13 year olds and shit. So it's kind of brutal that they die. <laughs> um, but Jason doesn't kill our main character here. Uh, let me see if I can look and find his, his name is Davey. Okay. So Jason actually does not kill him. I, I guess it's kind of assumed here. Uh, Jason can't tell us because he can't uh, talk uh, that Jason kind of uh, agrees with Davy's assessment that they're kind of like one in the same. And because he doesn't kill him and kind of like lets him hang around at first, I, I guess he's like, you know, taking him with him. Like he basically kidnaps this kid. Uh, but eventually Davy's kind of just following him and chilling with Jason and this is why it's called how I how I spent my summer vacation, because uh, Davy's uh, internal monologue changes when you get to the second issue, because um, he's initially very scared and like, man, can't believe this is happening to me. My life was already shit before this happened. And uh, but then in the second issue, he's like, hella. <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> I'm okay. hanging out with Jason Voorhees and it's actually kind of lit. Uh, he's like a role model for him because, uh, you know, Jason is someone who doesn't take shit from anybody, whereas this kid kind of gets bullied pretty regularly. Uh, and he's kind of like chill with Jason's like casual murder of people. And it's kind of crazy. So now I need to talk about um, the other major character in this comic. Uh, of which there's really only two, the kid and this sheriff. Uh this fucking uh, Sheriff Taney Hill is is quite a character. Oh my god. It, it's basically like the least positive portrayal of a police officer I've ever seen in any form of media. Hell yeah, brother. He is he I, it's it's really quite funny and um the 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 absolute dunking on our, on the police force here is really quite uh, something to see. So he is a literal meth addict uh, who is just a actually insane person. Um, he is constantly saying that he feels spiders on him when there's not. And he is constantly bitching and complaining and talking to himself. He is absolutely fucking insane and high on meth the entire con. Oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> so when he gets the call from the dispatch that, uh, hey, Jason Voorhees is killing people. He just got done smoking a bunch of meth. Uh, and he literally says, giddy up. <laughs> <laughs> OK. And and like the the pick, the the close up of his face is uh, genuinely just something you need to see. Um, I may even put some of this on the Twitter uh, if I remember uh so he heads out to stop jason from killing these counselors this is the initial night uh before jason kidnaps davy proper um and he is high off of his ass and he just starts shooting wildly at jason as jason is approaching these counselors getting ready to kill them 
And he misses all the shots. Well, he misses Jason. He doesn't miss the counselors. This cop literally murders three people in cold blood by shooting the shit out of them. And then Jason fucks off and, and kidnaps the kid. But now this cop is like, oh, man, they're not pinning this on me. I had to shoot at him. It wasn't my fault they got in the way. Well, fuck it. I know what we'll do. They're not going to know the difference. They're going to think Jason killed him. And he goes in his trunk and he gets a hatchet and he just starts slashing at the bodies to make it look like they died via Jason and not bullets. Jesus Uh, Christ. So he covers his ass and then the FBI shows up. Uh, The FBI, um, you know, and military, because this has become a way bigger issue than... uh, the cops can handle and they basically tell this cop to uh, you know they they believe his story uh but they uh because why not you know clearly these people were killed by jason and they tell him to go home he's not needed but the one thing the cop didn't think of while he was high off his ass was there was one witness left behind and that was the child davy that jason kidnapped and took away so the cop is like, well, hang on. He's trying to like make an excuse to go with the FBI to go hunt down Jason. He's like, well, I got to go. Uh, and they're like, nah, nah, dude. <laughs> like they recognize he's like a piece of shit and they don't want him anywhere near their operation. Right. Uh, but he's like, all right, I have to like, I have to go actually murder this kid because he saw me shoot all these counselors. He knows that I did it and that Jason didn't do it. And if they go rescue this kid from Jason Voorhees, he's going to rat on me and I'm going to go to prison. Fuck that shit. I'm going to go actually murder this kid. Uh, And that's where his story picks up in the second issue. Davey's chilling with Jason and this cop uh, literally uh, Grand Theft Auto's a uh, military helicopter and has them go search for Jason. They're already searching for Jason, but he's like, you know, basically commandeering it so that he can go with them. And his uh, objective here is to actually shoot the boy. Right. To not make sure Jason. there's no witnesses. And, and it escalates to ridiculous levels. He throws one of these uh, military people out of the helicopter and murders him. And uh, Jason's right there, and he cuts off the dude's head and chucks it at the helicopter, crashing through the windshield of the helicopter. Oh, my the God. severed cop's head. It's really quite insane. And uh, the, the, the chopper crashes, but our high-off-his-ass sheriff survives. And he starts trudging after um, the young boy and Jason, who are still, you know, chilling. Uh, oh, I forgot to mention that earlier in the second issue. The, the opening of it is fantastic. It is a family sitting down at a picnic and praying. And uh, the literal lines here, I saved this image because I was like, fucking. I, it sent me, dude. I was just like, holy shit. They literally say. Dear Lord, we thank you for what we are about to receive, and we ask you, Lord, to watch over us on our vacation and keep us safe, and to help us spread your word, Lord, to whomever we might meet along the way. And please continue to guide our president 
in these trying times and give him the strength to defeat those enemies out to destroy this country, the terrorists and the Mexican drug lords and the gays. All these things we humbly pray. <laughs> amen. And when they say amen, it cuts to the, the title of the big splash page of Jason about to murder them. <laughs> Incredible. Uh, I love this. I actually love this moment so much because it's a way for the author, Jason Aaron, to pass judgment on homophobes, uh, especially ones uh, in the Bush era when this was written. Without, like, really, like, you know, you know, condemning themselves, like, Jason was going to kill them no matter who, who they were or who they believed in. It's a little smart way to do this. Yeah, it's a different critique. time back then. Uh, the religious sect was, uh, I mean, they're, they're still pretty anti-gay now, but it was much, much worse during the Bush well, era. So, like, that's, that's some good commentary. Yeah, I, I dug it. And uh, Jason drags uh, their, um, their picnic to Davy to feed him <laughs> oh my so god he, he basically yogi bared but like as jason Voorhees could only do it because he killed everybody. all of them right yeah <laughs> but anyway uh, back to our main plot um so the cop tracks them down and uh while jason is distracted with the massive military force set out against him which davy is trying to get him to avoid because he's like no jason don't go out there stay in the cave, they will literally kill you. Because there's so many military helicopters and shit. Like, I get the sense that this is taking place maybe even around the same time frame as the next Jason movie we're about to watch, where the FBI actually gets involved. Uh, <laughs> that happens next week. But Davy sneaks up, I'm sorry, not the sheriff, sneaks up on Davy and is trying to kill him. But uh, Davy, in his time with Jason, has grown some balls and decides to just stab this cop. And the cop is like, what the hell? You stabbed me. Did not expect it. He falls down a hole in the cave. Uh, he doesn't die. He lights a match. And before he lights the match, he starts saying his standard thing where he's like, oh, God, I feel spiders on me. And then there's this really great moment where he lights the match and the cave is illuminated. And then there's just like, 800 spiders descending on him <laughs> in the depths of the cave and he's like ah oh my god <laughs> so finally we get to the ending here which uh the military has jason dead to rights basically and they just shoot the ever-loving shit out of him and jason falls down uh but then davy runs out and is like no don't shoot my friend and they hold their fire for a moment because they don't want to shoot the kid and then Boom, the cop pops out of the cave and is like, I got you now, Davy, brandishing a knife. And then the military uh, all see him and he's like, oh, fuck. <laughs> Just now realizing uh, his mistake uh, and that he revealed that uh, he is trying to kill this child <laughs> right. to the entire armed forces. And uh, he's trying to talk his way out of it. And then he's like, what are you guys staring at? And then it's Jason behind him. And Jason, uh, you know, he, he's like grabbing Jason and trying to fight him off, but it's not working. And they go tumbling off a cliff. And, uh, you know, Jason lives, of course. Our sheriff guy totally does not. He gets ripped in half on some tree limbs on the way down oh, and yeah. dies. Dies super fucking hard and gory as only this piece of shit actual asshole of a character deserves. 
And then Davy gets to go home. He's kind of like, yeah, I feel like that was actually kind of a rad summer vacation. Uh, I met Jason Voorhees and lived and actually kind of had a bit of a fun summer camp experience. More fun than the bullies bullying me. I got to hang out with Jason Voorhees. (laughs) (laughs) And then it kind of just ends on an image of, uh, you know, Jason cradling uh, his mom's grave. Uh, maskless because they got knocked off in the fight with the sheriff and that's just kind of where it ends and it's a great little story I loved it Sounds I like loved fun. how fucking cartoonishly evil and stupid and ineffective this sheriff was uh, he certainly causes a lot of chaos but he was definitely my favorite part of the whole storyline uh, I loved the concept of using the concept of Jason Voorhees as a as like the red herring of of like your killings do you know what i mean yeah. <laughs> like the cover up for his killings was jason's existence and like that's just such a like unique interesting idea with the whole jason concept that i was kind of like wow that's awesome <laughs> He actually just blamed the murders he committed on Jason. Um, This is clearly probably the best we're going to get. I'm not necessarily sure, but my hopes aren't high for the rest of them because I doubt anyone's going to approach this as creatively as Jason Aaron did. Um, I'd probably give this like an 8 out of 10. It's pretty solid. Uh, The art's a little spotty. It's not my favorite. Um... In particular, the sheriff looks incredibly deranged and weird, uh, which does go with this character, but it's kind of unpleasant to look at. And maybe if it was drawn a little better, it wouldn't look as weird. Uh, And there's like a couple like unnecessary things, like a brief flashback to the 50s and Pamela kind of like dropping Jason off and uh, at the at at Camp Crystal Lake. And uh, just saying, like, you guys are going to promise to take care of him, right? And they're like, ha ha, (laughs) yeah, you know. Um, just stuff that we already know stuff that you don't really necessarily need Uh, but yeah overall it was good Uh, so next week we're going to start getting into some weird ones I think Uh, I could be wrong let me check Oh, actually next week we're going to be looking at a longer series uh, six issues it was just called Friday the 13th it was written by Jimmy Palmiotti I believe this is the most contemporary of any of these things that I'm going to read so, no, we're not getting any into weird shit yet. The last three of these that I'm going to read are going to be extremely weird. <laughs> so get ready for those. I, I spaced them out in a way that uh, I will have watched the movies that kind of have to deal with some of these before uh, I look at the comic. But anyway, yeah, next week I'm just going to read a comic called Friday the 13th and see how that is. Okay. Hopefully okay. I don't know. <laughs> My my hopes aren't necessarily the highest, but it has to be better than that bloodbath one. And yeah, so so speaking of Friday, I yeah, guess we could talk board, about movie. Let's springboard off into something that uh, we didn't have high hopes for at all, as well. And they were well founded, not high hopes. Oh yeah, because boy, was this a piece of shit. Part eight, Jason takes Manhattan. Yeah, Friday the Thirteenth, Part Eight, the Muppets take Manhattan. Hell, Hell yeah, yeah, dude! <laughs> so uh, yeah.
It wasn't good. Nope. Oh. No, it was not. <laughs> I don't know why I had to drink a drink while saying that. Uh, but anyway. I feel like appropriate. Uh, so this came out in July of 1989. So yeah, all but two years in the 1980s had Friday movies. Um, but Jason would not keep up the streak of eight films a decade. Uh, no siree. Uh, you may notice that there's only 12 films and now we're done with the 80s. So between 1990 and 2020, there's only been four more Friday the 13th films. Uh, things begin to slow down. <laughs> um, but man, what a run. Uh, there's certainly some embarrassing crap in here, but I, I kind of think it's I can't help but be impressed with a franchise that manages to have eight entries in a decade. That's kind of fucking insane. I don't think anything has even come close no. to that many movies in one decade. Uh, maybe like the MCU, but that almost doesn't count in the same way. Because they aren't sequels. Like, they're not all uh, sequels. Well, they're sequels to themselves, and there's obviously tie-ins, but it's kind of like several franchises existing under one franchise, so right, it's, it's not necessarily umbrella. the same thing. And also, this was in the 80s, before that, like, that, like, you know, that shared universe shit became the norm in film, so that was super impressive. Um, so, where we left off last week with Part 7, which was um, a movie that I, I think is way better than this one. Um, but that is a movie that is um, shaky at best, and uh, it has a lot of fun shit in it, but I think our general consensus was that it was pretty dumb, though. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, there were plans for a sequel following up on the characters from Seven, like Tina, a.k.a. not Carrie. Um, but those plans were canceled because part seven, like really failed to wow at the box office. Like Paramount was hoping if you remember from last week, Paramount was really hoping that this would be like the prestige Friday, the 13th film with like a big name director and a, a big, nice Hollywood sheen over it. And, and like, it didn't really end up the way that they were hoping for whatever reason they were hoping it was going to be like that. I, I don't know. why. I have no idea. Doesn't make any sense. <laughs> So they decided, uh, let's just start again, 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 and um, give the franchise a new direction again, again, again. And they chose writer-director Rob Hedden to be the man to do it. Now, Rob Hedden uh, was an employee at Universal Studios uh, before transitioning into producing, writing, and directing TV and film. Uh, including a few episodes of Friday the 13th, the series that I talked about last week. So he was initially hired to do that, and he kind of like, uh, they were desperate <laughs> for writers and directors on that show. So he kind of like uh, said, no, I want to direct shit too. And they were kind of like, they didn't want to, but they kind of eventually conceded to his demands. And then they ended up being impressed with the episodes that he delivered. So they were like, why don't you do Friday 8? he was like, okay. So Hedden wanted to explore a Friday movie that didn't rely on Crystal Lake as a setting, which is a good idea. Yeah, I think so. Uh, it's really been done to death. I, Jason is a character that you could plop into several other settings, and it'd be pretty interesting, I think. Um, 
his quote right here uh, kind of says it all. The biggest thing we could do with Jason is to get him out of that stupid lake where he's been hanging out, is how he put it. <laughs> Hedden uh, went ahead and pitched two different film ideas to Paramount. And uh, Paramount liked them both and said that they were both good and he could make either one. Uh, the first was set entirely on a boat. As Hedden puts it, it was, quote, a little bit of Das Boot and a little bit of Aliens with a claustrophobic feeling, storm at sea and that sort of stuff. And then the second idea he had was to set it in New York City. Uh, as Hedden puts it, quote, everything about New York was going to be completely exploited and milked. There was going to be a tremendous scene on the Brooklyn Bridge, a boxing match in Madison Square Garden. Jason would go through department stores. He'd go through Times Square. He'd go into a Broadway play. He'd even crawl off the top. He'd crawl onto the top of the Statue of Liberty and dive off. Uh, Hedden wanted to mainly explore that second idea in New York. But the budgetary restrictions that Paramount passed down eventually on him uh, and the very, very, very expensive filming cost to film in New York City uh, led Hedden to kind of combine both of these ideas. Immediately, right away. It's very obvious that that's, what, that's, that's entirely what happened when you watched this. And right away, a big mistake. I think entirely a huge mistake. And, I mean... And also a mistake in setting audience expectation as well. Yeah. Because you're naming it Jason Takes Manhattan, and clearly the marketing before the movie came out really, really, really leaned into the Manhattan and uh, probably showed mostly footage from the New York stuff. Uh, a small fact, chunk of the movie, by the way. Yeah. Um, Paramount advertised the film with a poster showing Jason slashing through the I Love New York logo. Oh but God. but they were forced to run new posters after um you know uh, stuff like the the New York State Economic Development Committee and like the Tourism Board and shit were like yeah you know they were kind of like you're using the logo without permission and it's disgusting and they had they were forced to like change the marketing for the movie I mean, I'm sure Paramount spent a shitload on marketing uh, for this thing because they thought this was going to be a huge hit um so. Of course, be- because we can't have anything good, this Manhattan concept got cut down and cut down and cut down and cut down to the point where uh, how how far into the movie do you have to get before Jason sets foot in New York? An hour. Yeah. An hour? An hour and an hour and a half long movie. Right. And two-thirds of the movie, it, you're not even in Manhattan at all. Yeah, and, and then that last half hour, uh, it's not even like they filmed all of it in New York, which is pretty common. Uh, this film was mostly shot in Vancouver and Los Angeles, like, you know, things like the diner and some alleyways at the end of the movie obviously weren't shot. I think the only thing that was shot in New York was Times Square, because that is Times Square. Right. Um, but it's so expensive to shoot in New York that nobody shoots in New York, ever. So, like, you know, you usually get stuff like... Uh, I don't know, like your Christopher Nolan's just shooting. Well, I guess that's Gotham. That's not a real city, so you have the advantage of just making it however you however you, however you want. But uh, you know, filming in Chicago, filming in Pittsburgh, uh, you know, 
London, who knows, just wherever it looks like a city. You know, most people don't know. Most people won't notice. <laughs> yeah. Unless like they're they're people that live there and then they'll be like, "Hey, that's that building." Damn. That's not in New York. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um I definitely have some factoids and shit, but I uh, let's get this shit on the road. Tell me what happens in this piece of shit movie. All right, first of all, we get a we get a kicks right off with uh, a bunch of shots of New York City. Previous. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that doesn't yeah. even happen in this movie. There's no there's no cold open in this movie. It just goes straight into the title card. Yeah, you got some, got got a song playing. That's like about New York, I guess. It's terrible. I don't like it. The, the opening, the opening and closing credits feature this song. It was made for the movie. It was called "The Darkest Side of the Night" by by uh, by Metropolis. It's uh, bad. I was like, who the fuck is Metropolis? Because I've never heard of this band, and they only have one album, and it has this song on it, and it didn't even come out until 2000. So I don't know. It's kind of a mystery to me. I have no idea who the fuck this band is, but uh, it, it's. It kind of sounds like like more generic Aerosmith to me. Like, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's terribly it's pretty generic. Bad. Yeah, I, I, it was bad in a funny way. And uh, so let's talk about how New York is portrayed in this movie. Yeah, it, it's portrayed like a crime-ridden wasteland. There's graffiti it's portrayed like everywhere. It's Gotham City, right? There's graffiti literally everywhere. There's like mm-hmm. there's a lot of people doing drugs. There's like everything looks run down. The streets it's, are all fucked up. It's like you're in a clockwork orange, not like New York City. Like right. God, like, like, there's like, just people doing heroin. Like these are the gang members that show up later. They're also in the opening credits. Yeah, they show uh, doing. They show doing like heroin the, and crack. They show the all the major locations that they travel to. I once really they get, get the sense that they filmed every single thing twice. Uh, once for the actual events of the film, and once for this opening. Yeah, without Jason present. Uh, which is, uh, you know, hey, it's not quite recycling footage, but it does feel lazy. <laughs> they used every inch of footage they could that represented New York. And uh, I'm not really sure why they decided to open the movie like this, because, well, now we have to leave New York. Right, and go to a boat. Yeah. Not like, the boat, there's another boat the, later. The, the only way they connect this footage to our plot is that there was, like, a radio playing it and then it was like this one goes out to those kids on camp crystal lake who requested this song and i I guess our conceit for how this plot is going to work is there's kids at camp crystal lake who just graduated and their graduation like senior trip is a trip to new york city which if we're going off of the original canon of camp crystal lake being in new jersey that's not that far. Yeah, no, it makes sense. Uh, but that's it makes sense that that would be like where you would go for a senior trip. It's it's easy to forget that this is supposed to be in New Jersey because the only one that was filmed in New Jersey was the first one. <laughs> All the other ones are, you know, filmed in Cali and you know, more more probably more nice places to film <laughs> closer to Hollywood shit, right? So you get uh right away we get some titty. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. Get this, this Wasted guy no girlfriend. time with this one. Yeah. They fookin'. Yep, and then uh 
then our, our, our lad drops drops anchor of this boat that they're on, and it uh, this is this yeah is the dumbest way to revive Jason. By the way, I hate it. I, a, I, they're giant, really running out of ideas like on giant, how to revive this man. Right, it's like a giant underwater electrical cable running through the ground. Yeah, and the, and the Jason's like, just at the bottom of the river, just chilling. Just, just <laughs> gone, just chilling out, lake, hanging I out mean. underneath a pallet. Yeah, yeah, he's just down there. It looks like shit. Yeah, it looks terrible. <laughs> and the, the anchor, like, grabs this electrical line and then, like, cuts it, I guess, and sets the current off somehow. This is not how any of this works. And then it oh, no. shocks Jason back to life. Yeah, which I guess we did establish that electricity can do it, but, like, this is a really dumb way for it to happen. Right. This is just, like, you know, it's so weird. Another really dumb way for that. And then, obviously, we get, uh, you know, all of our concepts get recycled in this movie again. Uh, we have the our character is a prankster and he pranks his girl by pretending to be Jason. Ooh. Like the and then actually basically. Jason shows up. I do like the touch of him like wearing what looks like the part five outfit, though. That's fun. Yeah, it's not the blue highlights mask because this is the mask that Jason steals now, because as we I, I will shout out the continuity in part seven, Jason's mask got fucking exploded and split in half by psychic Tina. So Jason needs a new mask. So luckily this guy brought a mask along to scare his girl and Jason can just steal it. And now that's his mask for the rest of the film. It explains why uh, you went from a very dilapidated fucked up mask to a pristine one in this film. <laughs> Cause I was always wondering that, you know, like when we're playing the game and I see like the, the progression of the fucked up mask to part eight. And I'm like, well, what happened here? <laughs> when did you just get a new mask and then the answer is yes yep and so he uh so soggy ass jason comes up and takes the mask finds a harpoon mm-hmm. gun as he's killed somebody with before yep shoots it and misses the first time yeah and then the, the one girl escapes out the girl escapes out the window but the guy is petrified and he's stuck there and then it looks like he, like, stabs the harpoon gun into him and, like, does, is he pulling out his guts? Is that supposed to be his guts? I think. It doesn't look like, like it. looks like clear tubing. It does look like that. It's terrible. And Jason marches outside and stabs the, the other girl with the harpoon. Uh-huh. And, our and she's... So she has, like, the worst acting I've seen in any of these movies oh, so terrible. far. it's terrible. It's really bad. Uh, her her screaming as Jason discovers her, that doesn't really... It, it didn't really convey the fact that she was terrified so much as that she was like, ha I'm in a movie. Really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, basically. How embarrassing. I was like, really bad. what a terrible performance. Anyway, time yeah. to introduce our actual characters now that our... Uh, uh, from the jump victims are out of the way. Yeah. So we got we got a bunch of kids who graduated, I guess, in, in the New Jersey area, going over to New York. As, yeah. As a, you know, as a treat. <laughs> you can have a little bit of New York as a treat. Yeah, that's, that's what this movie is, by the way. And then right back to Jersey with you, you trash. <laughs> so we got her, just our main girl here, Rennie, and her teacher pull up in their car. Yeah, this is Jensen Daggett as Rennie, who uh, is going to be our final girl for the evening. And uh, she's uh, severely traumatized from a previous encounter with Jason. But we will not really know that until the end of the movie. Uh, Well, after the fact, 
of us of the audience being confused for the whole movie as to why she is seeing visions of a nightmarish boy. Uh, <laughs> right. This happens a lot throughout the movie. Uh, by the way, Daggett got the role over Elizabeth Berkeley and Pamela Anderson. Uh, no. I, I don't think the movie would have improved any. Nope. Uh, <laughs> but it would have been maybe funny if Pamela Anderson was in a Friday the 13th movie. Uh, weirdly, Daggett didn't go on to have as successful a career. Uh, nope. Yeah. And then her teacher here is Barbara Bingham, is Colleen Van Dusen, her kind teacher and, and somewhat of a parental figure. Um, took me a while to even figure out what the fuck was going on with these characters and their relationships. I was like, is, is she her mom? No, it's just teacher. But then who this guy? He dad? He uncle. Where he parents uncle. go. They don't tell you where parents go. Yeah. Then you got a quick shot to a, a guy who looks like he's a, he's a hand for the main ship. The boat that the kids were earlier murdered from uh, rolls on up. It kind of cr- yeah. bumps into the dock. And he kind of just looks at it all crazy. Yeah, he sees this the is, uh, with blood on it. I like this character. This is Alex Diakun as the deckhand. He's only cited in the credits as the deckhand. Uh, but basically, for all intents and purposes... Uh, he is Crazy Ralph 2.0. Yeah. Uh, and because he fulfills that you're doomed quota. <laughs> like, we really haven't had a like Crazy Ralph-esque character in a while in these movies, actually. It's been a minute. Uh, it, w- it was a cliche before they even did the Crazy Ralph cliche in the Friday the 13th movies, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but then you got, uh, you got Uncle Cat Guy here bitching, which is what he does for most of this movie. I hate this Uncle- character. Uncle Dad. Uncle Dad. Uh, He's annoying. This is, this is Peter Mark Richmond as Charles McCullough. Uh, this is Rennie's overprotective and strict uncle. Also the principal or whatever the fuck, headmaster. I don't know. Uh, I really feel bad for this actor. He seems to be a veteran who was has been in like a little bit of everything. Nothing like a major role, but he's been in like, you know, tons of TV shows and I kind of feel bad that he's stuck in this terrible movie that he deserves probably better because he's not a bad actor and he's not even delivering a bad performance. It's just that his character is terrible. Yeah. And like, it's just like, so under like, it's hard to get like a vibe on like whether they wanted him to be a bad guy or like, I don't really ever like fully feel like he's a bad guy, but they punish him like he is. And like, I don't know. I, I just no feel idea. like he's overly protective because of what happened, which we learn about. Um, and I mean, he is strict, but like the stuff that he's pissed at the students for doing later in this later here are, are, are kind of justified and valid. Right. <laughs> so, like, I don't know what, if they were trying to go like, you know, uh, principal McCullough is such a spaz, man. Like, I don't know what they were going for, but they didn't, they didn't land it at all. Uh, like it's it's very stupid. Yeah. Who else is here, Jusby? Right, There's so a lot we, of characters. Yeah. So we get we get inside the deck of the ship now, and we have uh we have our our final guy, Sean. Yes. His dad, the, the captain of the boat. Scott Reeves as Sean, Rennie's uh boyfriend? Question mark. I, I guess boyfriend. And uh, he is the son of the captain of the ship, who uh, is kind of like trying to groom him to be a captain as well. And he kind of seems like he doesn't want to do it. 
Now, by the way, Reeves was a last minute casting as producers felt Sean's uh, previously cast actor uh, didn't have any sexual chemistry with Jensen Daggett. So they recast him at the last minute uh, with this guy. And um, it still isn't any. <sighs> no, but I also want to point out that it's kind of noticeable now that I know that it, it, it happened this way, that they every scene with him in it is a reshoot. Oh, um, or at least a lot of them, because they did film with the first guy. Uh, and that footage probably exists somewhere unless Paramount threw it away. <laughs> um, so, like, you, you may notice a lot of shots that don't have, like, everybody else in them that, like, this guy is in. <laughs> uh, I mean, obviously, there are some things where he, he, you know, he's genuinely there, like, the end of the movie when they're Jason and shit, but, like, there's some moments where you can tell. <laughs> God. By the way, who the fuck is his friend that's standing here? I have no idea, but he has, like, a vacant stare, and it's really funny. He's a super vacant, like, creepy, like, Luke Skywalker-looking motherfucker. Like, I yeah. don't even know what the fuck. Right. His eyes creep me out. Uh, I, <laughs> I think that's what I wrote uh, down so that I knew who this was. Uh, in the casting list. Like, I, I think I wrote down that he was a creepy Luke Skywalker-looking mother. <laughs> oh, well, whatever. Yeah, so his, his dad, the captain, uh, yeah. gives, him, gives him a little gift and says, I'm going to relinquish control of the ship to you, son. It's your time. And Sean's like, eh. nah, and then just kind of walks Aww. away from it. Yeah, and then he just hands the box to his friend, and he, his friend's just like, what do I do with this? It's Gordon Curie as Miles, uh, Sean's weird friend here. Yep, the kids wave all their parents goodbye, and they are off. Yeah, and then I think we meet a couple of the other ones. Guitar Girl and Camera Boy. Yeah. <laughs> the hit Robert Rodriguez film. <laughs> Guitar Girl and, ham- and Camera Boy. Yeah, they're like filming like a weird thing. I don't know. It's stupid. She's playing guitar. This is Saffron Henderson as JJ, the guitar chick. Uh, so she's primarily a voice actress. I, I noticed that she played uh, Kid Goku and Gohan in Dragon Ball and Dragon Ball Z's uh, Ocean Productions dub. So oh. probably not the one that you're familiar with. I don't know right. if you ever heard anything from the Ocean dub, but it's not as good. Yeah, uh, it's it's not like the big green dub. Look that up when you get a chance. That shit's fucking. That's just fucking crazy. It's hysterical. <laughs> Gohan just yelling big green at fucking Piccolo. <laughs> really bad. So yeah, and, Jason, uh, the, uh, the camera guy oh, here right, is uh, uh, Wayne. Uh, this is Martin Cummins playing him. Uh, he's now a sheriff in Riverdale. Uh, the hit, the hit film, the hit show that everybody loves Riverdale. Every time I see a scene from Riverdale, I laugh my fucking ass off. It's so fucking bad. It looks terrible. (laughs) So did you see that? Did you see that clip, uh, that people were dunking on where I mean, I need to mention it. It was funny. Okay. (laughs) Uh, where like there was this dude who's like, um, I think Archie was asking somebody if he'd ever done, if he ever played football and the dude was like, no, like my parents like died and I never, I, I got like, you know, I never got schooling. He's like the new kid or something. And then yeah. like Archie's like, you've never known the, 
epic highs and lows, the triumphs and defeats of high school football. <laughs> Just completely undermining <laughs> the depressing shit that the dude said. Oh it's it's pretty great. Uh, what terrible. absolute trash. Anyway, you could see Wayne in that if you so desire. <laughs> so, oh, Jason saw the boat. Ooh. Nobody notices him climb aboard. <laughs> Nobody. I, even Jason seems surprised at that fact. He kind of like looks around like, does anybody see me? Oh, apparently not. All right. He yeah. must have hit uh, R1 and, and Triangle so that nobody could sense him. Yeah. And then uh, the music didn't play when he was near people. <laughs> and uh, JJ goes down to the boiler room and she starts shredding. Hell yeah, dude. And, uh, Jason shows up and uh, murders her ass. With the guitar. First kill. Yep, as you would assume. Yeah. That shit's fun. <laughs> yeah. There's some good kills in this movie. It's not a complete waste. It's just mostly a complete waste. Yeah. <laughs> our, our main girl here has, like, a vision of, like, Kid Jason, and it's weird. Yeah. She has this, this multiple points in the movie. All throughout the movie, and it's always, always off-putting every time it happens. This fucking kid going, like, help Mom. Yes. I'm drowning. And I'm like, why is this happening? Her dog that came with her on the boat for some reason uh, seems to notice it as well. It gets spooked. I believe. I don't get Yeah. Once again, makes no sense. Uh, I think they were going for that whole like dogs can see ghosts kind of bullshit that kind of a ghost. In- it's, I mean, yeah, I know, but, like, maybe it is, but, like, I I feel like they never really decided what they wanted these hallucinations to be, whether they wanted it to be some kind of supernatural aspect to the movie, or just, just, like, you know, PTSD flashback kind of shit. Right. I really don't know Who what knows? they wanted out of this. I, I it's no not, it it's no not, not done well. No. Not done well. Not even a little no. bit. Then we got some boys boxing. <laughs> boxing boys. And, and some girls watching him and going like, they're so hot. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, our, our main boxing guy here is my favorite character in the movie, Julius. Yeah. Uh, played by V.C. Dupree. Uh, Tough-ass tough boxer who I, I think is the most capable survivor out of our entire bunch here. Um, and, and the girls watching... Uh, we got uh, <laughs> Charlene Martin as Tamara and Kelly Who as Eva. And uh, t- Tamara's the bitch character. Yep. She's just an absolute fucking cunt. <laughs> yep. <laughs> that, that's her entire character. And then uh, Eva is her friend and isn't willing to be quite as much of a bitch as her. Uh, by the way, Kelly Who has appeared in such hit films as The Scorpion King. And X two, where oh, she was man. a lady, Lady Deathstrike fighting Wolverine at the oh, end. Oh, okay. Um, and also, I just heard her voice in Sleeping Dogs as Inspector Tang, and she also is Devora in Mortal Kombat X and Eleven. Um, so she gets around. She's uh, you know, cool. Yeah, she has a career. That's cool. Yeah. Um, people don't. <laughs> <laughs> I have a funny anecdote about uh, Tamara's actress, but I'll get to it once we get to the scene where she's naked. Okay, so... <laughs> it has to do with that. Those are the two of them, the two girls, uh, wander off the deck, and they, uh, they cut up some coke! 
Let's do coke. Let's do some Let's get coke. Fucked. Let's get fucked up. And then, uh, we have our other girl here, the not bitch. It's like, hey, uh, let's go. Let's I don't want to do coke. Right. I got like a scholarship, and I don't want to like fuck that up. And she's just like, don't be such a square. <laughs> let's just fucking do some heroin, okay? Shit. Yep, fucking make, being a prude. Her big girl shows up, and the, the other two are like, hey, I want to do some coke. And she's like, fuck off, and walks away. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and I think they like, uh, have, uh, or at least the bitch tomorrow, um, kind of has the uh feeling that like she's a narc right or something she's gonna go tell on them which uh our main character totally does not do yep but but uh, just a bad the principal guy up. runs into them like of his own volition uncle and dad he seems very yeah, uncle dad uncle uncle dad principal uncle dad runs into them <laughs> principal teacher <laughs> uncle dad runs into them and he's uh he's yeah. not happy uh-huh um but he does he he doesn't see the coke nope even though there's the cra- cracked mirror that gets dropped and everything he's just kind of like if you girls fuck up again i'll make sure that call your parents and have you go back or whatever i don't know uh yeah. just threatens them like any principal would you know right and then uh, we got guy who lost the boxing match bacon in a sauna Hmm. he seems pretty chill uh actually yeah. Like, uh, I thought they were going to make him, like, you know, an asshole. He's, like, like, a sore loser or something. But, I mean, he doesn't have much of a character beyond this. No, dude, he's starting to, he, he's doing the correct mentality thing. He's, 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 he's soaking it a Yeah, he's like, that was a good game, dude. We should go talk to those girls. And then, oops, it's Jason. Right. Feel bad. Uh, yeah. And, you know, he's, he's sitting there reflecting. Like any good, any good fighting game player would. It's reflecting on what <laughs> happened in the match and uh, mm-hmm. deciding on what he needs to work on. He's like, man, I got to work on my left-right hook combo. I gotta good, study good those. Mentality. I gotta study that. I gotta study Julius's frame data. Right. It's a, it's a <laughs> good good analysis there. And then, uh, but but Jason uh-huh. had just had enough of that and grabs a hot sauna rock and shoves it into his chest. And for a second, it lights on fire, which makes no sense whatsoever. But hey, you know. Well, it hit it hit those internal organs, which are incredibly flammable. I don't know if you knew that. Huh. <laughs> sure. You know. You know, I'm not trying to shove hot hot coals into my stomach to find out, though. Yeah. No, he's dead with a hot rock in his chest. Hell yeah, dude. The the, the body count rises, and uh, the implausibility of people not noticing the smell of the, sh- the, the on the ship uh, is, of is very... Of burning flesh? Yeah. Of burning flesh and rotting corpses, and uh, I don't know. I even think our like uh, our our deckhand guy like sees stuff and is like, "Ooh!" And at some point here, <laughs> who's our next victim, or what happens well, next? Well, first, before we get our next victim here, uh, bitch Tamara runs up and knocks oh, our main girl off the boat. The she can't super swim. dumb bitch plot line that goes nowhere. Yes. She yes. can't swim. She thinks she yeah. narked on. This is the beginning of uh, we, we are us learning about her trauma. Uh, this is why her uncle dad uh, didn't want her to go on the boat initially because she can't swim. And uh, she has a big fear of the water. Yeah. It's and, like a vision uh, of like Jason pulling her down in the water. Yeah, she's back and up. Actually, Jason pulling her down, but but uh, but our good old uh, boyfriend, final man. dude, J- yeah, boyfriend jumps man. off, jumps off and gets her back up. 
Uncle Dad comes him. Uncle Dad, principal teacher man, gets really upset, comes up, yeah. tells them all to get the fuck away from her. Everybody stay away from my sort of daughter. From my, my niece student. <laughs> my niece daughter. Student. Yeah, sure. Niece daughter student. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Then she goes I back to this. wash up and immediately has another vision. Yeah, like like not even a break between mental breakdown episodes. Uh, just seeing another big Jason. Um, okay. <laughs> and then Jason actually shows up. Right? Nope. No? That must be after. Next we got uh, got Uncle Dad principal teacher. Oh, so in. he's super pissed at Tamara because yeah. she was a bitch and pushed her in the fucking lake. So he goes and um, he, he walks into her room, but she's, or the she's ocean got a plan. Or whatever. Ocean, right? Uh, yeah. Well, you know, there's a bit of a debate on how this even works because Crystal Lake's a lake. And uh, in order to get to New York, they have to go to the ocean. So the lake has to be connected to an ocean. But that's not how lakes work, I'm pretty sure. Well, the... They're their own no. body of water independent from the ocean. Right, that's what because they're freshwater. So there's a bit of, de- of debate in the fandom of uh, what, what the f- is, is this a plot hole? <laughs> or did they take off from not Crystal Lake? But then, no, they had to take off from Crystal Lake because the other boat floated in. It, none of it matters. It's just funny to, to note uh, right. how stupid things are in this universe, I, yeah. I guess. <laughs> Yeah, tomorrow so, has a plan. She's in a room and she has two yeah. glasses of champagne. Uh-huh. This was a teacher. She's uh, trying to seduce him. Yeah, she's gonna, you know, uh, cla- do the classic uh, softcore porn uh, method of uh, <laughs> just fucking your teacher to get the easy A. Um, and this man is uh, aghast. Uh, but also flustered. Like, you could kind of tell that he sort of considers it for a moment. Yeah. Uh, but then pushes her away and is like, this is stupid. But then, oops, it's Wayne with the camera and he got it on film. The evidence is there. Uh-oh. And then Tamara's like, I got him. Ha-ha. And then Wayne is, uh, you know, only did this as a favor to Tamara. <laughs> And it's like, you know, hey, uh, you know, I kind of like you. And she's like, haha, leave me alone and pushes him out. And he's like, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> she used me just to do a favor for uh, whatever. Everybody sucks here, basically. Yeah. <laughs> you said you wanted to give us a fact about tomorrow's actress at this scene. Well, this is is her death scene coming up, it, rendering her yeah. enti- her entire plot line with the principal pointless, right? Because she just dies. Yeah, so, she's like showering um, up and getting all the writing she had on her off of her. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Charlene Martin was uh, uncomfortable filming her nude scene, as I bet is uh, pretty commonplace with uh, people filming these fucking movies. <laughs> so, um. Apparently, Rob Hedden, our writer-director, decided to use uh, what he referred to as an old theater trick and uh, strip nude himself to show her how easy it is that to, is to act not... in the nude. Uh, question marks, question marks, red flags, question that marks. Not, yeah, that's not good. 
Um, now, obviously, there, there was no um, there was no um, sexual misconduct here, as far as I know. He just had some. I I don't. I don't. I mean, it's not like she asked him to be naked, though. So that's not cool. Um, I think he was just kind of trying to do that, like you know, just picture everybody else in their underwear kind of mentality. And I don't really understand it, but uh, hilariously, um, Rob didn't know uh, that when he was uh, doing this that the camera was. Uh, Still filming, and uh, I'll tell you who else didn't know: uh, the producers who watched the dailies the next morning and found the fucking <laughs> the naked director on the film, <laughs> and and they were just like, "Huh?" Uh, so yeah, that happened. That's the thing that happened, Justin. Amazing. Yep. The fuck. <laughs> Hollywood's no, fucking I, weird, man. Hollywood's weird. Um, I mean, I don't know. I, I haven't seen any negative uh, sexual misconduct stories about this director, but but that doesn't mean you know shit. you don't just you don't just get naked, dude. That's kind of like the most fucked up thing ever. Don't do that, right. please. Oh my god, what the fuck, dude? Yeah. So Jason kills her by like going into the bathroom. Yeah. Like, anyway, reaches, <laughs> re- breaks through the door and grabs her by her robe. She strips off the robe and bashes her head against the mirror. And about to show how, like, brain-dead Jason is, he, like, punches the mirror thinking, I don't know what. No, 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 no. He punches the mirror to get a shard to kill her. That doesn't... Why didn't he just, like, okay, whatever. Sure. Well, no, because I remember thinking the same thing as you. I was like, why did he punch the mirror? But then he picks up a shard of the mirror, and clearly that's why he punched the mirror. It's just like, I don't know. That's weird. Yeah. Yeah, then he, like... I will will say... Um, one of our only like good performances in this movie is actually Kane Hodder as Jason. Still, um, he's still good, reprising yeah. his role from Part Seven, making him the first and I think for now only uh, actor to play Jason in multiple projects, not just a one and done scenario. Um, he's a good one. I like Kane Hodder a lot. Yeah, probably the best part about this movie is Jason, like. Oh well, yeah. It's not not the actual look of Jason. That's bad. Well, I, I like his look until his mask comes off. Yeah, like soggier yeah. Jason. It's like in the last movie, he was soggy Jason. This is Way soggier. too soggy, Jason. Yeah, soggier Jason. Yeah. And uh, so then Jason comes up and kills the captain and and his uh and his mate. Rip. Yeah. Then the kids tell come my up son, I love him. Ah. Yep, and then the and then the the kids come up and find him. Mm-hmm. He calls a mayday, since brings everybody to the deck, shows them what happened. It's like, hey, there's a murderer on this boat. Trying to yeah. call for help, and the power gets cut. Yep. Well, because Jason does it. That's why. Yeah. He, like almost as if Jason knows. Right. It's like the video game. The logic is is, is thorough. <laughs> sure. Sure. And then teacher man tries, tries to go like, everybody stay here, we should, we've got to figure this out. And then there's a creepy guy telling me, it's, it's the creepy guy showed up a couple times, but like, you're all going to die. Yeah, so that leads him to suspect that man immensely. Right. Um, of course. Uh, that guy probably shouldn't have did that. It makes him seem very suspicious. I don't blame Uncle Dad Professor Man in being suspicious. Right. Of this man, <laughs> I really don't. <laughs> In a normal situation, this dude would be the killer. Yep, and there's a big storm coming. 
and then it's raining really hard, which makes it mm-hmm. even, even worse for the boat. Yeah. And then uh, our main girl tries to go drop the anchor, which, by the way, is a really dumb thing to do when there's a storm happening. Yeah, but she doesn't know. Right. Uncle, our, our main character isn't that smart, actually. Uncle, Uncle Dad, Dad knows, though. Yeah, Uncle Dad principal yeah. teacher stops her. Yeah. And then uh, next week, we have the friend of the bitch uh, gets killed next. It, yeah. this, like, this is kind of a fun one. She's like, she finds Jason, she starts running from him, and she runs into like a dance room. Yeah, the music's still playing, and she's like, what the fuck? And like, she's just like looking around and around and around and around. Yeah. And then Jason just pops out of nowhere and kills her, of course. And chokes her out. Yep. Let me get the rest of the kids who gathered some weapons together. Got a, got a funny little line here. And everybody grabs a gun. And then they ask the ass boxer man what he what uh what he's grabbing. He's like, "I've got nothing." And he pauses. That was really good. But yeah. this rifle. <laughs> but this gun. This gun. That's what he says. <laughs> nothing but this gun. And he cocks it. Like, it's fucking yeah. funny. So they're kind of like going on a hunt for Jason, and it doesn't go well because they all. Um. Yep. And then we got our, our camera guy. He uh he lost his glasses. So uh, he Oops. can't see. He's trying to use the camera lens to see. It's not working uh-huh. out for him. So he sees a figure no. pop up in front of him. He just shoots the guy, and it's it's one of the it's one of the kids. Yeah, he shoots him in the chest. Mm-hmm. Oops. Then he finds JJ, who's dead. Then Jason kills him with JJ's guitar. That's fun. Yeah. Well, he also throws him into the electricity. Uh, that's, right, yeah, yeah. that's right yeah he that's throws an electric and burns something that doesn't death. make sense he, he gets all shocked to fucking death yeah, it, it does yeah and starts a fire in the bottom of the boat a chain reaction and a fire and uh we have a plot hole that's about to happen here where uh i our uh our good teacher kind of told all the other kids that are unnamed to just just go just go in this dance hall area and just stay here until we figure out what's going on just stay here and then we get like a quick shot of Jason looking at them. Uh, but then we never really see these kills or find out if Jason murdered them or not. Uh, the next thing we kind of hear about them is it's kind of alluded that the place just blew up. Yeah. And they all died. Like, fuck, man. <laughs> <laughs> they, they don't even like go into it. Like, say for sure if they died. It's just like, I guess they died. Yep. Uh, shrug. <laughs> then uh, Jason finds Shot's dumb friend, and he tries to hit him with an axe. It doesn't work. Yeah, of course not. He throws him into into some like electric pulse coming out and, and, and impales him. Boom! And then our main girl here is out is out boat. Uh, Jason tries to grab her through a window, and she stabs yeah. him in the eye with a pen. The pen that her teacher gave her earlier. Yeah, she said, "This is Stephen King's pen." Yeah, it's not. Shut up. Yeah, I remember that. Stupid. Yeah, Stephen King wrote with a fucking quill pen, and not on a typewriter. You stupid bitch. What are you talking about? Right. <laughs> and, and, and meanwhile, we have uh, Uncle Dad Teacher Man is on the hunt for the crazy guy. Uh huh. And he finds him. The crazy guy like pushes him and grabs a knife and runs away. Yeah, it was pretty dumb. I don't know why this happens. The guy's suspicious. Yep, and then they, they go down and try to assess the damage of the deck here, and then the deck floods out. 
Yeah. Like, we gotta get the fuck off this ship. Indeed. Then, uh, Boxer Man gets thrown off the boat. Just, Jason just chucks him. He's gone. Now, he lives, thankfully, but I don't know how. Because I mean, like, he's laying in some cold-ass water. He's, and, uh, only, the movie runtime's only in there for a few minutes. I guess it makes sense. <laughs> yeah, sure, okay. I mean, I'm glad he lives. I mean, he doesn't overall, but I'm glad he lives for now. Yeah, because he's a good character. Yeah, he's, he's the best character in the movie. Yeah. So everybody who's left here, which is just, at this point, the, the teachers, our, our, our final two characters and Boxer Man. And mm-hmm. they all, they'll get on a boat, or they'll get on a rowboat and row away. And they eventually find New York City. This is, finally, we are, an, uh, we are an hour and four minutes in. Yeah, and it's like, oh yeah, that's right. The plot of this movie is supposed to be about Jason going to fucking New York. And here we are. And somehow, somehow he follows them all the way here, by the way. Yeah, I don't um, know. I mean, I guess, like, you, you don't know how long they're rowing. But it seems like a little while. And, uh... I mean, Jason still, falls in the whole way. Yeah, it's still nighttime, so I'd like, let's say probably at least like a couple hours. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. immediately, as they're walking up the streets of New York, they get jumped by two thugs. They take all their money and take her main girl away. Yeah, it, immediate rape attempt uh, made ag- against this girl. Um, immediate kidnapping and drugging and rape attempt. Like... No hesitation, no buildup, <laughs> just immediate. And I have a huge, like, I'm not saying New York's a, a nice, crimeless city or anything like that, but I think that this is a incredibly unflattering and, I mean, honestly, insulting portrayal of New York City here. Um it's 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 cartoonish in a way. Yeah, the Jason uh, technically saves her. Yeah, technically, yeah. Com- comes up and kills both of these guys. Mm, right. Oh, by the way, before we get to that, uh, when Jason uh, ri- was arrived in New York at the docks, he was originally, as part of the script and the shoot, supposed to kick a dog as soon as he got to New York. Uh, but Kane Hodder said that that was too far, man. I'll kill 800 kids, but I, damn it, I'm drawing the line in the sand over a dog. <laughs> and they cut the scene. I mean, I'm and glad you know they what? Did. That's fine. I mean, it would have no just been to... stupid. Yeah. There's no reason for him to kick a dog. Who cares? I don't think there's a reason for Jason to kill animals at all. He only wants to kill teenagers, mainly because he feels like, I, I, I don't know. I think it's just leftover shit like that his mom taught him basically is what I go with. Yeah, sure. Like these teenagers are evil <laughs> or whatever. Right. Mm-hmm. So main girl here gets away. And uh Yeah. The crew split off in the meantime. Yeah, they're they're looking for her or looking for police or mm-hmm. something or whatever. And now we get the best scene in the entire movie. Boxer we do. Man runs up and uh goes to call the cops, but Jason breaks into the phone booth and uh tries to kill him, and they escape to a rooftop. Mm-hmm. And, then, and uh, uh, Julius decides enough is enough. I'm to just fight. gonna fucking box him. I'm just gonna box Jason Voorhees, fuck it. Um, and you know what? Honestly, I love this man for trying. But, <laughs> like, 
<laughs> this is a great scene actually it's it's really comedically well done and it yeah. takes a long time it's it's appropriately paced it's probably the only part of this movie i genuinely love yeah he's like everything else has i have problems with he spends like three whole minutes punching jason where he's unfazed his knuckles are getting bloodied up then eventually yeah. he tires he tires out and looks at jason and says hit me with your best shot and jason does which is just one punch to the head julius's head flies the fuck off and this is uh this is a kill in the game you can do and it's my favorite kill uh just the the big haymaker punch to the head and your head flies off and his head goes right in the garbage even though it shows up later which doesn't make any sense i guess jason uh, digs it out is the idea jason went in the garbage and got the head give me that yeah okay sure everybody else beats back up and they got a cop yeah, and he's like, boy, that sounds like a weird story, you guys. I don't know if I buy that. But you but, seem uh, nice. I guess we'll see. <laughs> yeah. You seem nice. And, I'll, I'll believe you. And then they get in the cop car. They truly is his head staring at them from the dash. Yeah, Jason wow. has got in the cop car and placed the head on the dash. Yeah. <laughs> it's very strange. Jason <laughs> pranked him. You're on punked, bitch. Uh, yep, and then they... So they they jump up, so the, our main girl jumps up the front of the car and starts driving it away. Mm-hmm. Well, he Jason kills the cop first, right? And then, uh, yeah. Then Jason's standing there in the street, and she just runs him over. And uh, they, uh, yeah, but then she just keeps going because th- this scene is really bizarre. She has like a vision. She, she has another vision and sees little kid Jason as well. And I think she aims to hit little kid Jason, too. Yeah, and just drives into a wall. Yeah, but, like, the, the fucking film cuts to, like, slow motion. And it's yeah. really weird. And, and like, the fucking, like, big close-ups of this kid's, like, dumb face. <laughs> with bad makeup effects. And he's just going, like, blue. It's uh, terrible. Were, were very terrible and poorly done. Yeah, the if they makeup, were aiming for it to be creepy, it failed in every level. It kind of yeah, just got a laugh out of me. Yeah, the makeup in this movie is garbage. It's really not good. It, it, depressing for how, like, most of the series, it's actually pretty solid. Yeah. Particularly the Tom Savini-helmed ones. And for some reason, this gives, gives our main girl here a flashback to what caused her trauma. Which is uh, yeah. Uncle Dad going like, oh, you want to learn how to swim? Why will we do it right now? And just throws her in the water. And Kid Jason apparently grabs her and tries to drown her. Yeah, I don't know. They took so long to get to this. And it, it really seems unne- like an unnecessary cut at this point in time. Oh, yeah. Because oh, this is right after the teacher dies, right? She explodes the fucking cop car. Yeah. And I was like, oh, shit. That sucks. Rip teacher. But then they just fucking cut to this fucking flashback for no reason. And, and like, I get why they're doing it, but like, it doesn't really follow through in any logical way. It's kind of just like she decides to stare at a puddle and yeah. then realizes what actually happened to her all those years ago. Yep. <laughs> like, okay. And then she gets mad at Uncle Dad, principal teacher, as one would. And they're like, fuck you. They push him over, like, fuck you. You stay here. The other two want. Wander off, yeah, and leave him by himself. Which lets Jason fucking kill him, and grabs him and dunks him into a fucking <laughs> vat of what looks like acid. It's like toxic waste or something. That guy get that guy gets killed so hard. I don't even know if he deserved it because, like, yeah, um, he he went too far by like bullying his his niece 
into getting in the water and like pulling a prank on her and then like it backfired real hard and caused her trauma but it seems like like what does that have to do with their current situation right now not not, not much besides the jason connection which like i don't even think is connected necessarily like yeah okay she encountered jason previously what does that have to do with Jason being here right now? It's it not like Jason came back like for any revenge or anything. This isn't like a Lori Strode scenario, right? Or anything like Michael is trying to kill her after all these years. It, it's 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 just happenstance that she met Jason again. It's basically the same thing from Friday Three, where yeah. that girl had that flashback scene. She was like, "I encountered Jason before," and it didn't add anything to that movie either. And certainly doesn't add anything to this one, except for a bunch of unnecessary flashbacks because they leaned more into it, and it sucks ass. <laughs> anyway, I, I don't think that that guy necessarily deserved the treatment they gave him. Um, I, I know that he was mainly portrayed as an asshole character, and and he is an asshole character. But like, maybe the strength and numbers would be good to fight Jason, and you could figure out your. Uh, family matters later right but they just don't give a fuck they just don't give a fuck they're just like fuck this man <laughs> <laughs> and then jason encounters them the our last two and then now we have a chase through new york new york and mm-hmm. uh nobody gives a fuck about it there's a bunch of pedestrians everywhere and uh-huh. they don't care again continuing our very 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 not positive portrayal of new york I think I prefer, like, I'm not saying New Yorkers would help or not. Who knows? But, no, but like, I, I vastly prefer how it's portrayed in, like, the Sam Raimi Spider-Man say, movies, yeah, for instance. Say, like, the, Jason should have yeah. pushed one guy over, and they were like, you mess with one of us, you mess with all of us! And then he'll <laughs> start attacking Jason and lets them get uh, away. That'd be so fucking funny. But instead, they just do not fucking the dude, care. The dude from The Sopranos steps in front of Jason and says, hey, you want to get the him? You gotta go through me, and then Jason just kills him. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that would have been good. Sure. <laughs> but instead, the, nobody cares. They only get mad. Like, they don't notice that the guy in a mask is just like chasing these kids. They don't care. The only time they, yeah. they get mad when she pulls the the force break on the train. And then they're well, like, I mean, "Hey, why fair. the train stop? Hey, hey, why you stop at a train." <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so um, th- there's many starts and stops to this the whole chase sequence. Yeah. Um, so they escape out the back of the train. And they, they, push, they push Jason into the rails, and I guess it electrocutes him. Yeah, I, I, that's kind of how that would work, I think. Because yeah. the rails are electric. But, um, In the subway, yeah. I mean, it doesn't really explain why they're all right, because they're like, I guess they don't step on them. Very lucky they don't step on them. Right. And they run... Somewhere, they they go back out. Yeah, they they go they go back out the subway onto the main street. Yeah, this is Times Square, right? Yeah, now we're at Times Square. Jason's in Times Square. So this is cool. It's really cool to see Times Square and and especially seeing Jason in it. Um, you could tell they spent a lot of their time making sure this segment looked right. Yeah. Um, this this scene got significant attention during filming. With uh, they, they, uh, you know. Many Friday fans were gawking at the production. Uh, Kane Hodder recalls pointing at a female fan in between takes, and uh, she fainted. And uh, <laughs> yeah. 
generally a fun atmosphere but like all they did was film this one two minute long little thing and i think that's the all that they did in new york they just filmed in times square um i will point out you can see a giant ass poster for batman in the in the in times yeah. square um which obviously that was a real ad for the movie which also released in 1989 I think we now have watched three movies on this show that came out in 1989. Uh, this, Batman, and Halloween 5, I think. I remember seeing that, that while right. I was researching this. And uh, th- there could be more. They probably be the most common decade we pull shit from to be. Because lots of good franchises started then. Yeah. So we got uh, Jason kicks over radio of a couple punks that are hanging out. That was a good little cute moment. Yeah, they they pull out their chains and their knives, and they're like, Hey! We're listening here! And then... And <laughs> you Jason mess with just, one of us, you mess with all of them! <laughs> and Jason pulls up his mask at them, and then... I don't know, I don't know about them, but... I don't know, my reaction to that face would just be laughter. Well, we don't know what the face looks like yet. See, right. to them, they, they're, they're scared, but... In my mind, they're seeing, like, I don't know, the face from Seven. Because that's the last we saw of Jason's face. Right. And that is a scary zombie face. So they could be, understandably, uh, taken aback and be like, oh, no, 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 man, that's cool. Uh, later. Mm-hmm. And then right. just leave him alone. It's a funny moment that works, but it falls apart once you realize what Jason actually looks like in this fucking movie. <laughs> right. <laughs> in and, a minute here. Yeah, we get to a diner, the kid's bust in. But right before that, the waitress uh, just puts out a cigarette mm-hmm. and this dude's eggs. That's really this, funny. It's pretty good. This pretty good moment. Remember when you could smoke inside places, LMAO? Yeah, that stopped in uh, what the early two thousands. I believe so. It's, it's, it's always funny to see old movies and people are just smoking up a fucking storm, and everybody's like, "Yeah, this is fine. There's nothing wrong with this. This is all right." <laughs> yeah, give everybody cancer. That way, cancer isn't as powerful. It's, it's a, it's know, a it's relic. Fine. Yeah, herd immunity yeah. to cancer. Herd immunity to cancer. <laughs> If everybody has cancer, then nobody will have cancer, really, if you think about it. <laughs> yeah. And they ask, so anyway, they ask the waitress to use her photo. She's like, there's a pay phone at the back, but it's what a bitch. <laughs> yeah. Like, we use your phone? She's like, no. And she's like, no. And they're like, but there's a crazy maniac chasing after us. And she's like, it's New York. And I'm like, uh. Shut up. my eyes. Like, literally nobody is helpful in any way. Right. Like, okay. Jason. I get it. Yeah, right. It's stupid. And Jason busts into, into the cafe here. Mm-hmm. Busts into the diner. And they're like, oh, what the fuck? Because he just walks through the door. Yeah. So this cook of the restaurant comes out and he's like, hey. <laughs> he pushes a guy. I'm going to beat side, your ass. And he's like, he's yeah. mad about it. Yeah. And Jason just chucks him into a, into a fucking mirror. Yeah. So by the way, this was the stunt coordinator for the film, Ken Gerzinger, playing the cook here. Uh, he even plays Jason in a couple scenes in this movie, and that's interesting because Kurzinger would later get to play Jason proper in Freddy vs. Jason. He's the guy who ended up actually doing that for that movie. It makes sense. The dude is huge. Yeah, he's a big dude. Um, I like that they gave him a little cameo, and it's cool that he had a bit of a legacy with the franchise before he got to be Jason again, but it still sucks that they didn't give that role to Potter. Yeah. Like, I mean, I don't know. This dude seemingly worked with Hotter on this movie, and I mean, I guess they weren't tight or what, but right, he totally was fine with taking that role from Hotter when Hotter, like, I think earned it 
you know, he played in four movies in a fucking row and, and did a really good job of doing it, despite the fact that the quality of the movies were always suspect. Right. Um, but, um, he, I mean, it wasn't his fault. He did a good job. Right. So uh, we get to now our final set piece of the film. They escape to the sewers. Uh-huh. Jason is chasing them. They find a construction worker, and he's like, you gotta get the fuck out of here. This place is about to flood with toxic waste. Yeah, as you do, sure. As, as, as yeah. the sewers do. Uh-huh. Gotta sure. get the, rid of them alligators underneath New York somehow. <laughs> and then Jason shows up, kills a construction man with the with, with the wrench, hits him in the head, uh-huh. and knocks and knocks our, our main guy out. Yeah. So, so our girl gets freaked out, starts running. But then mm-hmm. uh, she finds a barrel of toxic waste and chucks it at Jason's face. And this uh, makes him take off his mask, and we get the worst thing. The worst maskless Jason in the entire franchise. Easily. Yeah, at least um, so far. He, he is a goopy looking dude, and it, it, it looks... It, how do you describe it? You, you could actually look at it here. Yeah, I'm about, to, I'm about to go pull it up. Okay, so... First of all, it looks like it's from, like, a... Weird, like, lo- entirely low-budget TV show. Yeah, in a doesn't look like film. a... He's got, like, a goopy like eye... Like, yeah, like, a, like basically no mouth, mm-hmm. and he and he looks terrible, and he just roars, screams. Yeah, you, you guys want to hear the sound? Oh sure, dude. Let me. All right, give me just a moment. This this shit's too fucking funny, and so I wanna I wanna I wanna do this. All right, here's here's okay. our here's our girl throwing this bottle, throwing this this toxic waste on Jason. Here we go. Yeah, so he does like a roar. I know you didn't hear that again. I apologize, but the audience heard. Oh, it. that's all right. Oh, I'll listen back. <laughs> I, I know what you're talking about. It was bad. It's terrible. Um, so, yeah, the very disappointing. Maybe even more disappointing than the fact that the movie doesn't even take place in New York. It's just seeing what they look how they massacred my boy. Like, yeah, it's, it's <laughs> like, like honestly, yeah. And so Jason, God. all disoriented, is just kind of like bouncing around the halls of the sewers. Yeah, she yeah. She goes, and, gets, goes yeah. and gets her boy, and they try to escape. Mm-hmm. They get up to a ladder, and Jason's chasing them, goes to grab them. And then toxic waste is coming. Yeah, like I believe Jason uh, vomits as it's coming towards him. Vomits like weird shit. I don't know what the fuck it is. It okay. makes no sense. No, I need to bring that up because that wasn't a special effect. Um, Kane Hodder, the the method actor man that he is, decided to uh, drink pitcher after pitcher after pitcher of water, and then vomited on cue for this scene. What here. a madman! So that's actually him vomiting as the wave of toxic waste is coming his way. And uh, you know, I mean, bless him, but it wasn't necessary, and it really just ended up being a funny moment and not like a scary one, right? Uh, it's just kind of funny that Jason just goes like, and then just gets murdered <laughs> by this toxic waste. It just melts. It's really it. stupid. Yeah, he just gets fucked. And then just to make it even worse, this bullshit happens where Jason gets melted, and then we hear like the overdubbing of like, "Please don't let me drown." And then as the toxic waste floods away. Uh, I guess Jason turned into little kid. 
Or that's a vision of hers. Or she's tell. just seeing it. Either way, it's stupid. <laughs> like, I, maybe, like, it's just it's symbolism, Justin. See, this movie's too smart for us. us uh, oh, plebs. yeah, it must be. Yeah, it's it's symbolism. See, Jason is like a child. He is still like, it has the same mentality and intelligence as that child that drowned all those years ago. Therefore, she sees him as he truly is a little dumb kid. Yeah, shut the fuck up, movie. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, uh, look, they escaped, and the, the dog shows back up after it ran away. Or in a POV cool. shot, as if, to, as if to make us think that it's Jason coming after them, but it's just dog, and they're like, it's dog! Yep. And then they replay the terrible, it's just a terrible night song, and like, I just want to die. Thank God this movie's over. Yeah, it's done, that's it. Mm-hmm. This so, is the yeah. worst one. I think this is the worst one. This is the worst one. I think this is the worst one. I agree. I don't even. Think I'm gonna there, put it. There is no thing. I don't even think we need a discussion. Like, is there any? Like, until now, we've kind of like said that the original was the worst one, but I didn't mean it as the worst one in a sense that it's a terrible film. Uh, I think the first one's an okay movie. It just didn't wow me or bring anything to the table that really interested me. It's just kind of boring, and then it's exciting for those last 15 minutes where Pamela actually shows up. Right, but uh, but this movie, aside from the Julius fight, and aside from a couple of the kills, is just generally terrible all the way through. Yep. So I'm gonna go ahead and slam it on in there in last place. So our current ranking, and I still got a couple more factoids, but I'll just go ahead and say this now: our current ranking is uh, at number one, part six. At number two, part three. At number three, part two. At number four, part four. At number five, part five. At number six, part seven. At number seven, part one. And then at number eight, part eight. Genuinely the worst one. Um, I think part six is probably going to stay up there. It might, be, it might stay at the top for this whole thing. The only interesting thing that could happen next week is that part nine is even worse than part eight, which I'm actually genuinely hearing is the case, which is depressing. But um, yeah, all, we could a have a new low. worst one next week. This but is a uh, big low for know, this franchise. <laughs> in many ways, Justin, in many ways, this was a big low. Um, this film had the highest budget yet for a Friday the 13th film at $5.5 million. However, it was deemed a financial failure. It grossed fourteen point three million, and you may question how that's a financial failure. They, they probably spent it's like still made like ten mil. I feel like they spent. You know, usually a good metric to view these things is you double your budget, and that's the complete cost of the movie, the complete investment. Because probably you have to. More. They probably spent just as much in marketing, but in the case of this one, I think they spent more in marketing. Then 5.5 million because they had to do the advertising campaign and they had to redo the advertising campaign. And they were really pushing this one because it was, you know, Jason in New York. It was a big movie. And I think they really thought this one was going to do well. And it didn't. Uh, So factoring all that in, I think it's likely that Paramount lost money on this movie. Uh, And then the film had poor reviews like usual on top of that. Uh, with critics and fans uh, both disappointed with how little the film actually takes place in New York, uh, rightfully so. Uh, 
worthwhile to note it has the lowest Rotten Tomatoes score in the entire franchise at uh you wanna you wanna give a, a guess as to what that score is? Uh eight. Ooh, dude, nice. You really? got it. Holy yeah. shit. <laughs> That's pretty crazy. Yeah. Part eight's at eight percent, which is that's kind funny. of funny. Yeah, that's why I guess that. That's funny. <laughs> so all this would prompt Paramount to um at this point in time cut their losses. They had seen declining revenues over the past several Friday movies. And th- this one, you know, they could invest money in a part nine, but maybe the time was over. Maybe the time was done. So they sold the character rights to Jason Voorhees away. The Noon Line Cinema, who you may remember, we talked about them briefly because they own Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah. And uh, this wouldn't result in a film for several years until 1993's Jason Goes to Hell, which we will talk about next week. And... uh, the beginning of a possible collab between Friday and Nightmare uh, would begin, uh, but it would take several fucking years for that to come to fruition as well. Of course. Oh boy. I think, I think before we get out of here, there's one last thing I want to talk about, and I think it's the best thing associated with this movie as a yes. whole. <laughs> um, so as promotion for the film... Kane Hodder went on a talk show. He went on the Arsenio Hall show. Uh, But he didn't just go on the Arsenio Hall show as Kane Hodder. He went on the Arsenio Hall show as Jason Voorhees in character. (laughs) And you can watch this clip on YouTube. I believe it's like the video is called like Jason Voorhees on talk show. But you could also probably just type in Arsenio Hall, Jason Voorhees. And it's it's quite a good clip. I, I, I really enjoyed this. You sent me it right before we started recording. Like, this is required viewing. I'm like, okay. <laughs> I, I think it is. I think yeah. it's the best thing associated with Jason Takes Manhattan, for sure. Um, I, I love it. Because, like, Jason doesn't talk. Arsenio asks him all these questions, and Jason just doesn't say anything. And you'd think it would stop being funny. But, like, it kind of just gets more funny. It's like the Sideshow Bob stepping on the rake effect, where, yeah. like, it's funny the first three times he doesn't say anything and then it stops being funny, but then it just keeps going. And like Kane Hodder's commitment to the bit and commitment to the character and just his continuing of not saying anything just becomes funny again to me. (laughs) Like, and then Arsenio is just kind of like dedicated to actually just continuing this. Like it's a normal interview and asking him questions and shit. And just Jason just continues not to say anything. (laughs) (laughs) And it's pretty great. They even do like the whole thing, like like it's a normal thing. Like he even shows a clip from the movie. <laughs> you brought a clip, right? He introduced the clip, and then Jason just doesn't say anything. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. It's pretty great. Kane Hodder has such a good presence as Jason. He could just literally sit down and do nothing, and it it works. <laughs> so definitely watch that if you get a chance. Yeah, it's some good shit. And I think that is about it for this one. Yep. Uh, it's a piece of shit, and I'm glad that we put it at the bottom because I didn't want part one to be worse anyway because it felt like it doesn't really paint the whole picture. Um, I honestly think that all of these are somewhat watchable until you get to this one. This yeah. is the first one that I would probably like not recommend wholeheartedly. Oh, absolutely. This movie sucks. Like, 
I mean, like, if all the other ones are like sixes or sevens, like, what's this one out of ten? Like a four. I, I would probably say so. I'll give it points for the Julius death and a couple of the other kills. The guitar one was all right. And yeah, there's a couple like Jason still has a good presence in it. And then a couple of like once they're actually in New York, there's a couple good moments. But even when they're in New York, it's like this stupid shit where they're like, hey, New York's just full of fucking gangsters who will rape and drug you. <laughs> yeah, don't even have to worry about Jason Voorhees. Got to worry about those guys. It's really, like, it's oh, really, great. really bad painting of New York. What a great portrayal of New York City, yeah, it's gentlemen. It's bad. Yeah. Anyway, uh, I guess we'll see y'all next week for another terrible movie. Oh, Jason Goes wait. to Hell. Can't wait. Final Friday. Uh. Ugh. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go throw up. A bunch yeah. of water. <laughs> I'm going to go drink a bunch of water and throw up on cue. <laughs> what a madman.